0: This is a Business Disability Forum podcast, sponsored by Open Inclusion, creating a more open world for everyone, from user insight to inclusive innovation. Okay, so welcome everyone, this is our new podcast series called um, Who Are We and the People Behind the Job Title and I'm kindly joined today by our Chief Executive of Business Disability Forum, Diane Lightfoot. Hello Diane. Hello, Hello Lucy. <laughs> uh, this is when we have to try and be professional and do a proper podcast. So more a challenge for me than anyone else. So, okay, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your role at Business Disability Forum? And obviously the, the podcast is kind of about identity, so if you just want to start us off
1: on that, that would be great. Yeah, no pressure. So as you rightly say, I am Chief Executive of Business Disability Forum, and I've been in post here for coming up to 18 months, the time flies. and. Before I was at Business Disability Forum, I spent 13 years at a charity called United Response which works primarily with adults with learning disabilities, autism and profound and enduring mental health conditions. And as is the way when you're in a a job a long time, you kind of acquire things uh, over the years. And one of the things I acquired, because I I showed an interest in it, was management of our employment services. And it really struck me that for the people that we were working with, these were people maybe 20s, 30s and older, uh, with a learning disability, who have never ever had a job before, who had grown up with the expectation that, you know, it wasn't for them, they wouldn't get a job. And just seeing how getting a job for the first time completely transformed their lives, but not, not just in terms of income but in terms of their identity their sense of self and I've said it at lots of things I've spoken at that one of the first things that we get asked when we meet people is is what do you do what's your job and seeing people who for years would have had to say or well, you know say nothing or say I'm a service user or, or whatever to then be able to say I, I work in a shop or I'm a swimming instructor or I'm working in an office or I'm a cleaner or whatever it is was just absolutely transformational so I got really really passionate about it and um, and then when i'd been at united response for well coming up for 13 years i thought i was was having a bit of a look around because as i I said somebody last week i didn't want them to take me out in a box and i saw the advert for the role here at business disability forum and it just ticked all the boxes for me and before i was at united response as well i was head of marketing and membership for ncvo so a membership organization and i just thought this looks for me like my absolutely perfect job. And um, fortunately, the recruitment panel agreed.
0: So here I am. And it's funny when you see those job descriptions and things just sort of come together, and you're like, yeah, that yeah, that fits as well. And you're kind of going through it, and it's nice. And it's funny, because that was very similar to me when I saw the technology yeah. task force manager role, and I looked through the job description, and I was kind of like, yeah. And it's quite nice when you sort of feel like you're ticking those boxes. So for me, it brought together kind of, historically, I'd done some stuff around customer service. I've done some stuff around technology and IT, and for me on a personal level, disability has always been really important to me. Mm. So for me, it kind of encompassed everything I wanted to do and, and managing relationships as well. And it was just brilliant because you kind of go, oh, that sort of marries together all these things that I can do and have an interest in. Oh, that's such a good fit, guys. So, you know, that sounds really cliche and that's really, that's um, really it's, it's very similar, it's lovely when it yeah. happens. And them. it is really nice, and when you come along and it actually works out and they actually employ you, which is always a bit of a, a surprise and a miracle, that's always <laughs> really nice when these things come together. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, I kind of mirror that story yeah. in some ways. Yeah, it's interesting. So, what do you like most about what it is that you do here? Well,
1: obviously, the thing I like most of was working with you, Lucy. <laughs> um, but other than that, on a more sort of serious note, I often say that I'm really privileged that in my job, I get to go and have really interesting conversations with really interesting, passionate people who are so committed to making a difference. And that, that's really inspiring. And that happens across the piece when I meet with partners, when I meet with members, you know, and when I meet with policymakers. So that's, that's a real privilege for me. And I also love it when I can see that what we're doing or something I've said has had an impact on someone's life. So a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at an event for um, the Go Ahead group. And one of the people in the audience came up to me after I'd, I'd spoken. And I'd spoken a little bit about technology and I'd spoken a bit about um, speech to text software. And he said, well, I, I have dyslexia and I've, I've never heard of this. What is it? So I told him about Dragon and text help and he was just over the moon. And I thought that guy and he's probably even older than I am. That's going to make such a difference to his life. It's just yeah. it was really yeah, lovely. So the whole spectrum really. And how, how about for you? What do you like best? Apart from
0: working with me too. apart from obviously working with you diane for me actually it's the people that always make it interesting i think the topic of disability as you say i think in this particular area people are really passionate about it because they have to have the passion to continue to drive it forward but for me it's the different people you get to meet the interaction um and yeah it, it's just the people i think yeah this is all about kind of our identity how we see ourselves and everything else, and I've, course this is a business disability forum we've talked around disability but we haven't really talked about disability i wasn't say everybody's got a story that's not entirely true but did, quite often people have a story do you want to tell us a little bit about your personal experiences around disability and
1: yep. Yeah. so my own personal experience is relating to my own self so i i would say that i have probably had depression probably since I was about 15. And it first manifested itself really when I went to university and I had the sort of classic eating disorder. I've always been quite sensible and managed to pull myself back from it, which was, which was a good thing. And then when I was about maybe 23, 24, I got actually diagnosed with depression. And I have taken antidepressants pretty much continuously ever since then. I have occasionally come off them. And, but I've got very used to it. And because I'm very used to it, I don't, really talk, I don't really talk about it much. I don't see myself as a disabled person, but I have just recently started talking about it more. So Lucy, I know you love an anecdote. I do, yeah. so here's one for you. As regular visitors to our website will no doubt remember, uh, last May we had a visit from a delegation from Japan, including the Japanese first lady, Mrs. Abe, and a very eminent journalist, Mr. Ototake. And they came to visit to find out just sort of generally what we do. He then followed up afterwards and said, could he talk to me in a bit more depth and also one of our other colleagues, just to find out about disability in the UK and a bit more depth about what we were doing. Um, And towards the end of the the meeting, sort of interview really, he said to me, can I ask you a personal question? And this was all through, um, an interpreter as well, of course. And um, I said, yes, okay, yes, of course. And he said, do you have a disability? And I should say at this point that Mr. Ototake is profoundly physically disabled. He's a wheelchair user. He has foreshortened limbs. Pretty much no legs at all and so to me I, I i sort of said this to him i said i have a mental health condition and i also have a medical condition which qualifies as being you know a blood cancer so, 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 so i do but i said tim but it, it seems seems ridiculous for me to say to you yeah. that i have a disability and so we, we kind of talked about that a bit and then since then i thought i should start talking about it because firstly one of the things I often say is that creating any kind of hierarchy of disability and disability top trumps Mm. is deeply, deeply unhelpful. I mean, obviously we need to recognise there are different barriers for different groups and make sure that any data recognises that and that we don't shift the dial for people who find it easier to get work and not the ones who experience more barriers. But I thought, actually, we talk a lot about bringing your whole self to work, about sharing and about encouraging others to share and tell as well. So I thought, I'm in a position it's relatively easy for me to do this i should start doing it so i started talking about it um i spoke at a conference on mental health last year and i was really struck um that all day it was all the conversations were about those people with a mental health condition so i just said you know i have i have depression so this is about all of us and then the guy who was on the panel with me as well also said and i have depression and the amount of people that came up to me afterwards and said oh that's so brave and i thought I don't see it as brave it's just part of who I am but if if me saying it more helps other people think it's okay for them to say it then I'm gonna do it so that's why I've started talking about it
0: it's about normalizing it isn't it and not Mm. making a big thing of it this impacts so many people it's you're nothing special, darling.
1: I know, I've known that for a very long time, Lucy.
0: But, you know, it is interesting, isn't it, I think, in terms of how it's perceived and it has to be a thing.
1: Yes, well, I just thought, I'm not disabled enough for it to count, you know, yeah. and I managed it I managed it perfectly fine. Uh, it almost seemed kind of fraudulent to start saying, yes, I, I'm I'm. I'm. I've got disabled one. too, I've got one, I count. And then I thought, actually, if, if that helps one other person who's been diagnosed with depression to think, actually, it's okay to talk about it then that's a good thing. So yeah. that's why I've started. Absolutely. Now, but How about you? I know you're pretty evangelical about telling people. Yeah, a bit too much sometimes
0: probably. So for me, um, it wasn't kind of a, a gradual thing. I, I literally had a moment when I became disabled. So um, back in the day when I was a teenager, I was on my way to college and um, catching the train, I'd taken the train for a year. And at this particular station down in Hampshire, there's no bridge to get from one side of the track to the other. So you become quite used to crossing the track To see what's coming. Yes. And so one day I was crossing the track, and uh, what I didn't see was the fast train was coming through the station. I literally saw it in front of my nose. So I slightly slid under the train with one leg, and my other leg went backwards as I threw myself back. And they found my leg half a mile up the track, and the the train did the job of amputating it for me. So it was a pretty cut and dry decision on that one i had no no other options but i was also incredibly lucky because there aren't that many people out there that get hit by train going 65 miles an hour and survive and, survive, and had no. no other injury so in the grand scheme of things it's pretty lucky now i look back at it um, i was 17 at the time and i think my poor parents what they must have gone through getting that phone call and dealing with it mm. i think in some ways it can be easy if you're the person going through it because you've just got to get on with it i think i've always had a fairly positive approach to it in terms of getting on with it the best I can. Mm. It's one of those ironies as well, when I talk to other people who are amputees, that it's actually an advantage to be young because you're more likely to have the rest of your health and physically relatively fit and your sense of balance. So you're Mm. gonna recover quicker. If you're in your eighties or nineties and you become an amputee, your level of fitness is lower anyway. So it's a strange irony that being young in an amputee is an advantage. So that's kind of my little story, but it's interesting because we were talking earlier on about sort of visible and non-visible. And in many ways, it should be a visible disability, but I kind of disguise it because I kind of quite like disguising it. I don't want people to know, but I like telling people. (laughs) I have got this strange kind of contradiction in my head where I want people to know but I don't want people to recognize it. I actually get slightly, if people go, oh yeah, I know about your leg, I'm like, okay. Well, because, because they've noticed you. Because they've noticed, yeah. And I kind of like people not to notice, but I also like to talk about it. Because it's a big part of me. It was very much a kind of big, it's just a big thing that happened in my life. It was kind of those sort of red letter days that you know, it changed oh, my yes. life. Yes. The direction it went forever. Um, and the impact of that, I you know, it's 25 years ago now, so I shall live with that for a long time. So, yeah, it is it is an odd one. And it's kind of how you go about telling people. For me, it's a bit like denying I've got children, which sometimes, trust me, I could quite happily do. But, you know, they're a big part of who you are. So to not tell people that you didn't have kids would be wrong. And it's a bit like, me not telling people I'm an amputee, it's like I'm hiding something and I don't want to do that. But how do you go, hi, my name's Lucy. Um, yes, I've got one leg, nice to meet you. You know, it's just, a, it's just a bit random, isn't it? And it's how you get those messages out there
1: without people get oh, here she comes, it's that leggy yeah. one again, she's yes. gonna go. So how do, how do you go about that? When do you normally tell people and what do you say and how do you introduce it? I mean, the story, I, I, you've told me the story before, it doesn't lose, any of its, its impacts in the retelling it's horrendous and you are its incredibly lucky to survive but losing a leg at 17 must have been incredibly difficult. So, so how, how do you go about it? I, it's funny
0: how you can weave it into conversation sometimes. I'm trying to think of something because it's a really random thing. <laughs> uh, scar competition is always a good one because right. I've got quite a good scar as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So that one normally top trumps. You can, you can do it that way. Um, I don't know, but it, it is a funny one because you, you have this urge to tell people. And people often, I think especially working in this arena um, around disability, people often think you've got a connection, so what's your connection? And it's not always the way, but quite often people do have a connection with it. So if you can find a a way to tell them, I, I you know me, Diane, I just come out with it yes. <laughs> so I'll just tell people about it I do try and weave it in slightly it might be a bit random the connection but if I can find an opportunity to but I just think it's really important and it's about Mm. showing I do have some personal knowledge of this I do have a bit of an insight I'm not saying I know everything about disability because by no means do I but I think it's important for people to know that why you have a passion for it and why
1: it means something that you have yeah that you have an insight and um we were joking beforehand that well not joking actually because disability is very interesting and very important. So I don't think we should for a minute neither of us are saying that you have to have a disability yourself to be interested in disability, yeah. not at all. I think there's slightly um example I gave was you know you don't have to be a polar bear to be worried about climate change. Um, but most polar bears are. But most polar bears are really terribly concerned. Um, we weren't supposed to mention that were we? But actually if you can if you if you have got an insight and if you want to share it because obviously sharing it is is deeply personal and again I'm not suggesting that anyone should be compelled to say things if, if they don't want to but if you can that shows that you have that insight then I think that's really helpful. That said Me having depression, I can only speak from my own experiences of it. I wouldn't dream of thinking that I could speak on behalf of all people with depression, let alone all disabled people. Of course not. But if it doesn't mean it gives you some insight and, and empathy, perhaps, then that's helpful.
0: Yeah, and I think going through any kind of trauma or any traumatic experience, you know, whether that's a mental health condition or something physical, I think it makes you step back a little bit and have a little bit more insight what other people might be doing. I'm not saying I can't be completely selfish sometimes because entirely I can. But I do think sometimes it just gives you a little bit more insight and understanding of someone else might be going through something. And actually, one of the big things I did learn was ask people if they want to talk about it. Yeah. Whatever it might be, I had a friend who went through some bereavement quite young and it was just allowing people the opportunity to talk, whatever that might be. They might not want to talk, and that's fine, so it's not forcing it. But just kind of going, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Um, and I think that, that's one of the, the key things I've have picked up on. So thinking about this is about work and our identity and who we are. Um, can you think about how this um disability has impacted you at work,
1: maybe? And uh well, I always I always um I prided myself on the fact that I'd never taken a day off um, with depression and actually thinking about this in advance, I think in the sort of darker times, having work has actually been helpful. Having the structure and the routine, and the seeing people and being sociable, so working from home full time wouldn't be for me. Mm. I mean, it's helpful sometimes for catching up on things, but seeing people, having that network, is really important. I think, generally speaking, I tend to manage it so that I'm more likely to be impacted on sort of downtime, really. But again, things things for me that really help are cliches again, but things like exercise and you know all sorts of things. Mm. And I've been managing it for so long now, I don't often think about it. But I was also reflecting just now actually. Um, I remember seeing some survey results from civil service a couple of months ago and it was on employee engagement and they had a group of people who said they had a disability but that it didn't affect them at work. But their scores were lower than for people who said they didn't have a disability. So I'm I'm just kind of reflecting now on whether it does affect me more than I think it does. Maybe it does. I will ruminate on that. Yes, yes.
0: How about you? I think day to day it doesn't impact me i mean i'm I'm lucky that i'm I'm able to work from home for not to do with my my leg just because of I, i live up in cheshire so it's a bit of a commute to come down to london every day um but for me i've always been incredibly open about it so some people i know don't like to Talk about it. Whereas at interviews, I've often gone, so right, so I've got an artificial leg and I do occasionally time off hospital appointments, uh, but it's not that often. And for me, I'm, I'm just an open book sometimes. So I'd rather tell people because I think I'd rather manage expectations. I don't want to suddenly turn up at the job and they go, well, you never told us about that. And I've been quite lucky. I mean, maybe some of the jobs I didn't get, maybe that's why, um, or maybe they just didn't like me. Who, who knows? That's but possible. I exactly. Know. But um, it's one of those things that I just kind of think if I've been open with them, then what you see is what you get and it's worked in my favor now i know that's not been the case for a lot of people with disabilities out there so i think maybe i've just been incredibly fortunate or maybe they weren't the right jobs for me anyway maybe they weren't the right fit and if they weren't prepared to take the whole me on then don't worry about it i'll find something else you know um but for me, that's always worked in my favour, I think, that open and honesty, because then they know, they know what they're letting themselves in yes. for in many ways. Yes. But to say, I know that hasn't worked for everyone and people have had some really negative experiences. But I kind of think, would I want to work for them anyway? But that's, that's a choice. And um,
1: I think, you know, when we were chatting before, I think both of us have been very lucky in our employers, really. And I mentioned, I mentioned the blood thing, which um, so it's a very rare form of, of blood cancer. Um, which sounds terribly dramatic and actually isn't really but when I first got diagnosed I was having to go for hospital appointments fortnightly and I was fortunate enough that my employer was very supportive and also I was senior enough that that wasn't an issue that I just kind of self-managed so I know for a lot of people managing that and time off for appointments is it's a huge issue so I think yeah acknowledging the fact that we have been lucky is yeah important yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely so thinking kind of now a little bit more outside of work are there any areas where you feel more disabled or were you identify as being disabled a bit more or?
1: Not, again, not that I'm particularly aware of, but, I, but having said that, I am very passionate about, obviously, about disability, you'd, you'd expect and hope that in this job, and around mental health, so I think, I think I do, I think I use that sort of identifying around mental health and definitely in conversations and definitely sort of socially with people, even if I wouldn't use the word disabled in my head, but certainly around mental ill health, I get quite, use the word evangelical again, I do get quite sort of supportively outspoken, let's say about
0: that yeah. but I think we do I think you have to be passionate about it because in this arena you just have to to get the story across sometimes and to get people to get that buy in so for me that's interesting and, and again we had these questions in advance a little bit didn't we so we did a bit of thinking about what it is and for me actually most of the time I don't really feel disabled although I'm very happy to identify with that label that's not something that bothers mm. me um, and have done for many years I, I, that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable at all but the main time I feel really quite disabled is at hospital appointments and you sat in a kind of oh yeah you said well you sat. it's a very strange And you, you, you're sat there and you watch people coming in and there's parallel bars there as you can imagine because it's people walking up and down bars quite mm-hmm. a lot the miles I've done up and down but parallel bars does not bear me thinking about and people walk in you go which one is it left or right leg above below knee and you just start sussing people out when they come in and then they come out and they take their leg off oh what what have you got there and that's when I probably feel the most disabled but it's also mm. when you have those nice conversations with people who are in a similar boat because I don't we don't tend to meet many amputees through a business disability forum. It's probably one of the the lower, you know, and day to day, it doesn't impact you at work. You need to go for new legs every now and again and things like that, but it doesn't really impact you in the same way. So when you're in a group of very much peers, you can share that, oh, what do you find about that? And, you know, you compare legs. So it's a very strange world you enter when you, when you become an amputee. So that's probably when I kind of, feel most disabled, yeah. I think, in many ways.
1: I like seeing your set of legs, actually,
0: when we were I do have here. a selection of legs. ...at the uh, film festival. Yeah, yeah, I do. So, I know you've given a little bit of thought to this, Diana, but it would be really great if you could kind of describe yourself
1: in sort of three to five words um, and how you see yourself. This is incredibly difficult, as you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the first the first thing that sprang into my mind was short, but um, I, you know, I'm five foot two and a half, I'm not that short. So I'm going to go with approachable, which I hope you agree with. Yeah, Pragmatic, empathetic, positive, and sociable, because, yeah, I think I'm sociable. We were going to add funny. We add were something. going to add funny, but yeah, that just sounds a bit too David Brent, doesn't it? So what were yours? So I came up with
0: a few as well. And uh, my first one was mother. Mm-hmm amputee transparent that's my open book thing mm. authentic and pragmatic so we've got a couple of things in common there i
1: think maybe. yes yeah
0: But it's quite tricky picking just a few
1: words i think isn't it it's incredibly difficult and um yeah i mean that's the only reason i put empathetic was because i was when we were talking about whether there were kind of good things or, or different things that have been added as a result of having a disability or a mental health condition i think that empathy piece is definitely something which I've got
0: partly because of it, like I and say. you didn't directly mention disability in any of those things, did you? I did no, um, but for me, it was such a defining part of my life. Whereas for you, as you said, your you sort of story has been much more
1: gradual in many ways. It's has very gradual, mean, and um, I, I, there's still a part of me that thinks that me using the term "disabled" about myself is kind of fraudulent. <laughs> Which probably I need to get over, don't you, I? Because it's just, that. it's just not, you know. It, it's not yeah. disabled yeah. enough. Um, but that's why. It's not because I would object to having that. It's just not at yeah. all. It's just, yeah. yeah. Just,
0: I don't think I quite, you know, yeah. good enough. Okay, so looking back, is there anything that you would tell your younger self now that you've learned over the last
1: few years? Few years. I don't <laughs> And being diplomatic. I think uh, a couple of things spring to mind really the first is I can remember when I was, was looking at sort of careers and jobs and I was quite ambitious and I used to look at typically in like the Guardian they'd have a feature on someone who'd got a CEO position or, or a director's position or something and their CV would be there and it would look so perfectly planned out and so linear and I'd think wow that's amazing how did you you know, how could you've planned all that? And I used to feel really kind of inadequate that I didn't have that sort of clear linear plan. And yet, if I put mine on now, I could easily make it look like that. So it's made me think, you know, there there are lots of different routes to get to where you want to get to. And probably most people's is not nearly as kind of linear and straightforward as as you might think. The other I think is to be more confident in your abilities. And we were talking earlier about what we would say and, and joking about getting older, but one of the good things about getting older is that I am more confident and I am more comfortable in my own skin, although sometimes I wish that skin was a bit higher up. Um, but I think, I think that does come with age, which is a nice thing. And yeah. what about you? What would you say? So mine was when I was thinking about even back to my 17-year-old self,
0: just got here mm. by train, I was kind of thinking, actually, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't go back and go do that differently, interact or do that in a different way. I'd say carry on doing what you're doing and be proud of yourself. I just think actually sometimes there's yeah. nothing wrong with kind of going actually that's all panned out pretty well I'm doing okay yeah indeed so yeah so I, I think that's about it I think they're they're gonna take the microphone away from us next so <laughs> thank <laughs> you thank you ever so much for your time Diane really good to have a chat with you and kind of get to know each other a little bit more and, and, and tell our listeners a little bit more about who we are and um the people
1: yeah the people behind the job titles thank you I've enjoyed chatting with you, awesome. you too thank, thank you. you thank you
0: This podcast series is sponsored by Open Inclusion. Helping business be beautiful, inclusive and effective. Find out more at openinclusion.com.